playoffs are here. The basketball play-in is here. Playoffs are right around the corner. Best time of the year. And we're actually enjoying this nice, beautiful weather outside. Is people even watching baseball? It's fucking playoff time, man. Let's go. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's get to it. Well, we brought in Kevin Papetti, regular guest of the show. Kevin, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Pretty well. I mean, really good start to the playoffs so far, and the Leafs haven't even gotten going yet. So it, it seems like we're in for a treat this year for some reason. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but it's just the best playoffs ever so far. Well, let's yeah. So let's start with the greater playoffs. Not to come in off, not to come in off the top rope about that, but I don't know how we watch these other series, particularly Florida, Tampa, Boston, Washington, and think for one nanosecond that. Toronto's as good as these teams. Do we really feel that way? As good or as physical? No, no, as good. We don't know. They haven't played them. (laughs) By the way, the silence is deafening on that. I think they're third. I think they're better than Boston. Uh, I think they're about the same as Boston. I think they're better than Washington. Ooh, see? My issue with Washington is goaltending, but yes, I agree. We're We're not going to Toronto yet. We're going to save that. We're going to have a little appetizer and let's talk about the greater NHL at large. But before we get there, Kevin, it's been a weird year, of course, been the same divisions. How much hockey have you watched outside of the division and outside of Marley's and potentially some KHL, SHL type of action that's going on late night for you? How, have you found yourself watching more or less with the, with this new construct? I would say more just because I, I guess just staying at home more, right? Because of the whole situation. Right. So I guess more, I've been watching more hockey this year than in the past. Um, I think at the start, a lot of hockey, maybe end of the regular season, not as much, but now that it's playoffs, I mean, just the matchups, I, I think there are a couple lopsided ones, uh, the Carolina series, the Colorado series, but other than that, it's just been fantastic. They look amazing. Just I, I That was literally written down on paper. These matchups are amazing. We haven't even seen the North Division yet. But what is the most intriguing series to you as we look at this? And I know that we're a few games in. Obviously, some are 1-1. You mentioned the two that we feel are done, even though Jordan Bennington had something to say about that the other night. He played fantastic. But what is the most intriguing to you? And I use intriguing on purpose because not the most fun, not necessarily the most fun to watch, which you mentioned pre-show. What's the most intriguing? Yeah, I'm not going to pick Toronto-Montreal because I feel like that's – I'm too biased there. Too yes. biased. Yes. So I got to go – I wanted to say Florida-Tampa, but now that it's 2-0, I think I got to go with the Minnesota-Vegas. Now, Minnesota's not all that exciting in the past, but Kaprizov has helped that. I just think it's such a close series. I think Minnesota's pretty underrated this year. They're very strong defensively. I think either of those teams, obviously they'd have Colorado the next round, but I think both of those teams are, are strong. So I, I've been watching that. I didn't normally, I don't watch a lot of Minnesota wild hockey, but I think that's a good one. The teams hate each other. I think the Florida Tampa one, if Florida can get back in it, that'll be the, the most exciting or the most intriguing, but it's two Oh right now. So I'm going to go with the closer series. So let me ask you something because friend of the program, Ryan Colville, who's one of the assistants with the Red Deer Rebels in the WHL came on here and told us that he thought Minnesota was one of, if not the most exciting team in the league. Can you explain to everybody what the hell happened? Because this team was eight and eight Jeff Fisher for the last decade. It feels like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how did we go from automatic 
first round exit every single year or pick like 13th to this? I think, I think it's got to be Kirill. I don't know. It's not just one player, but for some reason, you know, they've always been strong defensively and it's led to boring hockey. They still are, but I think they, I guess they just have just enough offensive talent. They do have some physicality in that lineup. I would say they have the other Felino, but I am a little bit surprised still watching Minnesota wild hockey thinking, you know, who are these guys? This doesn't really make sense. I think Vegas in particular, especially when the games are in Vegas and you have that, that crowd. Um, I don't know why, but I found that series just so exciting. The, the series with fans, you can really make a difference right now. For sure. For sure. For sure. Like floor, like the pan, like the Panthers game looks like it's absolutely fucking jammed. <laughs> the Hurricanes last Can't night. Hurricanes. Hurricanes. Yeah. Sold out. yeah, sold out. It's going <laughs> wild. Like, you know, not to bring everything back to Toronto, but they're talking about a potential for 2,500 Montreal Canadiens fans to be in the building for game six. 2,500 Montreal Canadiens fans is like 25,000 Florida Panthers fans. Okay. Like they are the loudest fans in the NHL. The loudest buildings I've ever been in in my life are the Bell Center and uh, and the Blackhawks, um, uh, Madison. What the fuck? Madhouse on Madison? Yeah. It's the United Center. That's it. Thank you. Those are the two loudest that, that, I, that I've been in. But that has been the, mo- the biggest to me, too, is the fans. How, oh, how I miss them. Like, the NHL did such a good job, like, making the product, you know, enjoyable. And, and at least I didn't really notice that they were gone when they were gone. But now that they're here... Oh my God. You got to feel the same way too, right, Kevin? Yeah. I think at the start, I kind of noticed, and now I'm just so used to the no fans. And then all of a sudden you see a game with fans. I, I didn't expect it. I didn't know there was going to be a sellout in Carolina, for example. And it does make just a huge difference. You can't, uh, you can't really compare it. I know it's, you know, we're not going to see the same thing north of the border, but I, I, it is Leafs have. So at least we can't complain too much. So is Taylor Hall worth a second round pick? I'm thinking so. <laughs> scored again tonight um I, I just i think boston they all they've always had that strong first line i don't know if they're as strong defensively as in the past but having a hall creature do on that second line i can't stand boston obviously sure you're in the same boat there but i'm i'm still better about that killer hall trade but you were just, I think you woke up every morning and were tweeting that the, the Leafs are going to trade for Taylor Hall today. The Leafs are going to trade for Taylor Hall today. I was trying and, to manifest it. But. And now he's on Boston and doing spinorama goals right in, front of, right in front of the net, making a difference. I don't know. I, I didn't love when he first got but, there, that first interview, you know, but, you know. Is Hall, so is Hall one of these guys where it's like, hey, for a playoff run, this is this is sweet. Like, this is cute. And then, you know, when the time comes and it's time to pay the man, I, I don't know that Boston, I mean, cap sheet aside, I don't know that Boston's going to be jumping up and down because evidence suggests that when you pay him, it doesn't go great. And, that, that's, and I'm not suggesting that, like, he's lazy or anything like that. I hate that narrative. But it's, it's one of those things where it's a little dangerous if they're going to go down that path. And not that we have to get into the offseason, but I do understand the Taylor Hall apprehension around the league, let's say. I don't know. Like, he hasn't – he's only picked his his own team once. I don't know why he picked Buffalo. Uh, that was a <laughs> – <laughs> I guess he was going for the Jeff Skinner thing, right, where, you know, you have one big year in Buffalo and they just, you know, pay uh, – Skinner's making like $9 million a year. Yeah, eight eight five, I think, yeah. So I think he was going for that obviously back he wanted to play with eichel too like 
He wanted to be the second best player on a team. And That's obviously what he Eichel. Eichel didn't last very long. No. Let's not let's not sugarcoat it. He went to Buffalo because he was out of options. Very well could know. be. It could be. By the way, Skinner's at nine million till through twenty twenty seven, which is excellent. <laughs> What's the biggest takeaway from these early round series, Kevin? Like what what have you been surprised by? And you know, it could be the most exciting team in hockey, Minnesota scoring one goal through five periods after all this is said and done. And again, very well could be out in the first round. What has been the most surprising so far through the first four or five days of the playoffs for you? I guess just the number of overtimes. Like it, you, you get treated to one and then the next next game comes and there's another overtime. It's kind of kind of weird. I don't think there's any, been any major upsets so far. Uh, you know, Colorado's obviously up. Tampa's up. I, I wish Florida took at least one of those two games just so mm-hmm. that series would go a bit longer, but I don't think there's any been any shocks, obviously very close series. I'm just surprised that I guess how close the series are. Normally we see a, a few more blowouts. It seems I don't remember ever seeing this many overtimes like this early on in, in the playoffs. One thing I did, I did want to ask you was I know we love the matchups, but do we feel like robbed in a sense, right? Like we're watching. So Tampa and Florida, those to me feel like two teams that if they were in the Eastern, if they were in the East finals, it makes sense to me. You know what I'm saying? Like both those teams feel like, you know, if, if that, if that turned out to be an Eastern conference finals, I'd be okay with that. I think that's a good matchup. Are we, are we getting robbed with the good matchups early because of the new format? Or do you think it's all going to work itself out in the end? I think it's going to work itself out. I think uh, by the, I think Colorado will be there towards the end, you know, next, next series, they're either going to play Minnesota or Vegas, two good teams. So that should be a good one. I think as long as the Leafs could go on, that's really going to make the the North division entertaining for myself. Um, Whether it's McDavid, obviously Leafs halves is a great matchup early. Florida, I don't know. Obviously, they they lost Ekblad. Um, they are having a, a heck of a year. I just I can't really get a read on them. I, I love just the physical the physical aspect. They are way bigger than I thought they were. Huge. Yeah, Watching them are. play like they are big. <laughs> even uh, even that Vegas Minnesota series is pretty physical. So I, I I'm excited to see if you know what Lee Sabs is. I know Montreal's pretty physical. I wonder if there's you know a little bit more physicality from the Leafs end. You know they do have Felino Simmons. Uh, but Goshen's back, so I don't know. I don't really know what we'll to expect. See. We'll see. They haven't been pushed around a lot this year, but 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 again, the people pushing have for the most part been you know Charmin softer, you know, using one you know sleep country mattresses. But let's let's stay here. There's one series that has not started yet, so we can get an honest and accurate prediction on the show, and that is the Oilers and the Jets. And I have no idea what to make of this. The Jets come in absolutely tanking. They have been terrible lately. Hellebuck's been pulled multiple times in the past month. They're in a skid. Paul Maurice is doing his magical press conferences after the game, just being blunt and honest. And the Oilers are surging. One of the hotter teams in hockey. Connor McDavid is unstoppable. If I remember correctly, because my research was now a week ago, it feels like the Oilers have dominated the Jets. Basically, the Oilers have beat everyone in the North Division except for the Leafs. Like, that's the team that they they couldn't beat. So my question, and I pose it to both of you, but we'll start with Kevin. Who is winning this series? And, and why can't I get 
a read on this. I'm going to go Edmonton. Especially, I think the, the concern for me from Winnipeg's perspective is it looks like Nick Ehlers sitting out game one. I have to go double check that. But I know he was in the non-contact jersey. I think it's Andrew Kopp who's also out. For me, Ehlers is the best offensive player. Uh, I do like Kyle Connor. I like Shifley. But, you know, when I watch Leafs versus Jets, it's always Nick Ehlers that's the most dangerous. Uh, I think the goaltending is, is really the only edge that Winnipeg has. Uh, I don't think either team has amazing defense by any means, but it, it, Hellebuck versus Mike Smith is certainly the advantage. If, unless there's a, <laughs> I'd say <laughs> <laughs> he's going to have to like completely bail them out. Like Halak when he was on the Habs against Washington way back mm. when yep. he's, I think he's going to have to have that kind of series. Edmonton has a very good power play. Uh, McDavid is, is obviously in dry side. All those guys can score, I think, on just about anyone. Uh, I think he's really going to have to stand on his head. So I, I'm going Edmonton, but, you know, it, it would have to be – Hellebuck would have to be the MVP of the series, I think, in order to in order for Winnipeg to advance. Okay, and you I don't it. think that's out of the question. Yeah. yeah I, I, have, I, I have real difficulty trusting Edmonton. And, you know, that's for a variety of reasons. Maybe that, I mean, it's the same reason that maybe I don't trust the Leafs. Sometimes it just feels, you know, intangible. And, you know, I, I think the big thing too is the Mike Smith thing is a real problem. And like, unless you're getting, you know, unless you're going back and getting Dwayne Rollison, and it's one of those things where the guy just gets hot as hell for two months, you know, I, I have real concerns there. You know, I, I mean, it's, the problem is, you know, uh, the best version of Winnipeg, the best version of themselves, I think we're having a completely different discussion. They, they just haven't, the best ver- haven't been the best version of themselves in what feels like forever. So I don't trust either. I don't think either are particularly cup contendery. But yeah, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, if you're going to go best player versus best player, it's McDavid versus Hellebuck. And McDavid may be already one of the best players any of us have ever seen. So I'm going Edmonton. It's not just Ehlers who's out. It's also Dubois. And the one the one advantage that I feel like the Jets were bringing into this that was outside of Hellebuck was forward depth. They could become a bit of a problem when they were rolling their lines. Even though Dubois hasn't been great this year. And, man, you could look at that, that line A Dubois trade as you take my trash, I take yours. You still want the center. You still want the guy who 12 months ago made run amok over, you know, one of the best offenses in, in the, in the NHL off on in the defensive end and was, a, and was a presence in the offensive end. I, again, I, I'm going to take Edmonton as well, which means Winnipeg's winning in six, but we brought you here to talk about the Leafs. Hold on. To be fair with the line, a trade. Okay. One <laughs> team got like a bag of garbage. The other team got like a burning dumpster. So I would say the team that has the bag of garbage under contract for one more year is probably the winner. And at least he plays the right position. So there is an opportunity for Winnipeg to be vindicated even further on this ridiculous line. A trade that I, I believe we had Kevin on the lot when it happened and it was outrageous when it happened. And it's even more ridiculous in hindsight. Yes. My only point is it's not like Dubois lit the place up, but to that point you're with the stand with when you're putting the bar that low, Line A's bar is substantially lower. So um, so we'll see. But let's get to the Maple Leafs. And Ian kind of alluded to it. These games, it, playoff hockey is so different. You know, 
It's just like a, a switch flips. And as a Leaf fan who is coming into this petrified, I want to start with this one simple question. Do you feel that this rendition of the Toronto Maple Leafs has the physicality and the strength mentally to deal with the waves of pressure, pain, and hurt that is going to be coming for potentially four rounds of NHL playoffs? Yeah, I think this is the best Leafs team I've seen in, in years. But for me, it's the defense. More than the physicality, I think it's the defense. I, I just think last year, every time Tyson Berry stepped on the ice, you felt in danger. Oh, my God, uh, yes. Morgan Riley, obviously, as well. Um, you know, he is a good player, but that is his his downfall. Just over the years, like, the first year of the Matthews Marner era, when Hunwick was on the first pair, then we saw Hainsey and Zaitsev on the first pair. I just think they're different defensively. I think being able to go Muzzin Hall followed by Riley Brody, and then you have a Bogosian on your third pair. I just think they're much more steady. And I do think that some of those Boston series, they had a real chance. If, if Kadri is, is healthy, I think they had a real chance. Now, I do think they're healthy? different. You mean not in prison? Yeah, sorry. What am I saying? <laughs> Playing. <laughs> um, if he was not suspended. Correct. I just think they'll shift to the series so much. I think they had a, ch- a real chance. Now, they're underdogs. Boston's a very, very good team. Um, but I do think this is, this is, I guess, their second chance, last year being their first, where they are mm-hmm. the favorite. Uh, yep. They're 0-1 when they're the favorite right now. And I do think they're, they're definitely, you know, I don't, putting odds on it could be boring, but I think they got at least 60% to beat Montreal. So in, in the NHL terms, it's, 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 a pretty healthy gap, but I think it just in the NHL, anyone could beat anyone. And, and that's kind of a, a bad thing to hear if you're rooting for the favor. If you swap the jerseys, it's not Montreal, Toronto. It's Leafs. It's whatever that team with Austin Matthews has. It's that team in five. If you just look at it on paper, you just look at it as it is, but you can't. We are a tortured fan base. This organization and this group of players has not done the thing. They have not advanced past the first round. As much as you want to say that it's not a mental thing, it is. It lives in there. You have to overcome that to get through it. I am stressed. Okay, I'm, so this is, we're filming this on Wednesday night. The Leaf game is tomorrow. I am stressed. Ian, do you want to pivot to Montreal or do you want to stay on the Leafs and dive deeper into that? The only thing I want to say is that it sort of gets lost over time, right? The cadre thing. It, 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 you know, it obviously it comes up when you talk about that series, but it just sort of gets brushed as, oh, the Leafs shit the bet. When, you know, I liken the cadre thing to when back in 2016, when the Warriors were playing the Cavaliers, Cavaliers come back, you know, it, it kind of feels like the Warriors are in control, obviously. And Draymond, Draymond Green kicks someone in the groin. And all of a sudden, here come the Cavs. And, you know, those things, you know, I, I know analytics doesn't necessarily love momentum, um, but those things matter. So not having someone on the roster that could, that could potentially do that, I, I think is going to be helpful. I will pivot to, to Montreal. I think the, the big, the, I think what everyone's talking about and everyone's right to talk about is the goaltending. And I think Carey Price is the kind of player that we talk about Hellebuck with Winnipeg, where if he's the MVP, like, this could go badly. And it, just like with Edmonton, if Hellebuck's the MVP and it's a, and, and the Leafs are getting a Mike Smith equivalent with Anderson and Campbell, 
this could go badly. So what, what the Leafs need to happen is what, win or lose game one, whatever happens, win or lose game one, who, Jack Campbell's playing, he needs to come out and play well. There needs to be confidence there because you can bet your bottom dollar that Montreal is going to be confident as hell with Carey Price back there. So the Campbell-Price matchup is so important. And even if it's not for this series, I think just in general, the Jack Campbell piece is so important. If Can they get to round three? Can they get to round four with Jack Campbell and net? I don't know the answer. What carry price are we expecting here, Kevin? What, what are you expecting? Because we have no idea. He's smashing sticks in practice today when he gets scored on. You know, he hasn't played. He gets lets in two goals on his first four shots in his AHL stint, I, which I don't read too much into. But how do you feel about going up against Carey Price right now? Because this isn't regular season Carey Price, which is a 902-903 save percentage traditionally over the past four years. This could be the 946 bubble Carey Price that was in the first the play-in round against Pittsburgh last year. Like, what are we looking at? What are you expecting out of Carey? Yeah, I, I feel like he's a bit overrated at this point. Obviously, he was uh, an outstanding goalie. He's one of my favorite players growing up as well. Um, I know he led you know, Canada to multiple gold medals. Uh, very good player in his prime. I'm not sure that he's what he used to be. Now, he did look amazing in the bubble. He just, he hasn't been playing, right? Like, I, I think it's, it's Leafs fans can kind of relate with Frederick Anderson. Like, let's pretend Jack Campbell didn't exist and, and Anderson was starting game one. You know, I, I think, I, I don't think the name is, is maybe lines up with how he's been performing, but he's a bigger goalie. He's certainly capable of turning it on and, and winning a series for you. Um, I don't know if he'd be my number one goalie. I don't think he would be if I was, you know, picking any goalie. I'd, you'd, I'd go, you'd go Allen? No, no, no. I'm so, sorry. I'm saying like, Odds to steal a series. I'm going Vasilevsky or a Halibut, you know, well before a price. But yeah, he's certainly capable of of stealing a series. And goaltending yeah. is just the most important position. He did it just a year ago. That's yeah, where it's like. I, I but I, I get where I get where Kevin's coming from. I, I just want to say the last four playoffs, and again, some of these are eight a years decade, ago. Yeah. But we're talking 919, 920, 933, 936. And if we, you know, over a similar span in the regular season, we're talking about 901, 909, 918, 900. So there's an obvious discrepancy here. And I do think there is, in hockey specifically, there is something to be said about quote unquote playoff guys. There are certain guys that, you know, they Justin Williams it. Right. There's no explanation to why Justin Williams, you know, ended up always getting the game winner. There's no explanation, but he was just one of those guys. And if Price has a good, that's the thing. How many bad nights are you can get it from Price in a two week span? And if he gets hot for two weeks, what happens? And Kevin, if the Leafs lose 2 1 in game one mm-hmm. and Carey has a 950 save percentage and stops 45 of 46. You're it's gonna, gonna start. Cr- I might be worried. Am I gonna, <laughs> am I gonna be worried? It's that's just. It's just. He's just. Oh yeah, I've been here. Now here's the thing. He had like a nine forty six, as I mentioned, against Pittsburgh in the play in, and they won. He had a nine thirty or whatever it was in the next round, which is incredible, and they still lost. And I think that speaks to just 
who the Montreal Canadiens are as a team. If Price is out of this world, they have a chance to win. And they did that. If he's even just really, really, really good, it might not be enough. And I, I think the tough part is, is that we just watched this happen. Merzlikens, like we just watched it. We're like, Elvis, I love Elvis Merzlikens. I saw him in Switzerland. I love that dude, right? He is not anywhere near the upper echelon of goalies. But at this time of year, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And the Leafs, you know, you, you know you're, you're the stat guy. So you tell me. But, you know, their goal expectancy that series was like through the freaking roof, but it didn't matter. And I think that's the concern. It has to be, especially when you're going. It's one thing if I'm going in with Freddie and I'm fairly confident, right? I love Jack Campbell, but there's just no track record here. So to me, there's got to be a little bit of concern. I don't know. I think I was going to mention Elvis as well, where pretty much any goalie could get hot. Mm -hmm. Fair. Like, I think there's a stretch this year where David Riddich played the Leafs and looked like Hasek. Right, well, and then he's the best player against the Leafs of all time. Yeah, and they acquire him, and then he doesn't look like Hasek, to say the least. <laughs> so you know, there could be a. I don't know if I'm all that. I think I, with any goalie, I'm I'm concerned, especially when you're the favorite, that that's how you're going to lose. But I I don't think I, he'd be in my top five in terms of NHL goalies. I'd be like right now. I have to go Vasilevsky. I'd have to put Flurry in there the way he's been playing. Like Flurry and Leonard. If, yeah, if Leonard gets in, I guess. And then uh, I still think Hellebuck. I know he's, he kind of have a rough stretch kind of towards the end of the year, but, I mean, we saw plenty of him this year against the Leafs, and he's he's fully capable of stealing some games. Let's end Montreal on these two quick points. The first one is, were you surprised that Kakanyemi and Caulfield are not playing? I assume, Caulfield, you're not surprised. Were you surprised with Jesperi Kakanyemi not getting into the lineup for game one? No, but... Uh, for me, Caulfield is the more the scarier player. I, I know as a smaller rookie, you might think, yes, he's going to have some defensive concerns. But for me, that team really needs the shooting talent. And I think he's someone that, you know, you could almost treat him like an enforcer, even though he's the c- complete opposite, where you just don't play him much at five on five and just let him really help your power play. Like we see the top power plays in the NHL with, with Stamkos, Ovechkin, Pasternak shooting. I just think he can make such a big difference on the power play. I'm hoping he doesn't come in for game two, game three. Uh, I hope he's out the whole series. Let's hope it's it's over in four. He never plays, but I'd be they, scared of him on the power play. They get down. He's in he's in that series. And I think so. To transition to the Leafs here, let, let's do it this way. I look up and down this Montreal lineup, and I like them. Hmm. You know, their first line, the, the no line's really good. Suzuki's come along with Toffoli on his side. That The stall, Perry, Josh Anderson line scares the living piss out of me, right? And then their defense with Weber coming back. I know, listen, Weber, Gallagher, Perry, they're all coming back from injury, like Felino, Hyman, um, Bogosian. Nash. But yeah, Riley Nash hasn't even played a game for, for the Leafs. <laughs> so again, what is your biggest concern in the Montreal lineup? And then we can pivot to the Leafs lineup. I think they're strong defensively. They, they could pose a similar series as Columbus, I think, where you have these big, strong defensemen, and then you have, you know, a goalie that gets hot. Um, for me, up front, I think they have a lot of just good players. Mm-hmm. I don't know if good, they, they – Good point. They just don't have the stars. Um, but 
they're just they're just they have a lot of solid contributors. I just think they're they're a pretty good five on five team. They've been pretty even in terms of special teams this year. And if it's just going to be a five on five contest, I think it's going to be a, a somewhat close battle. Uh, if the Leafs can't really fix that power play and and, and kind of just distinguish themselves there, I, I think it's going to be a very close series. Well, we got the Leafs line now as we get to the to the boys in blue. Um, Hyman jumps up with Matthews and Marner. Felino slots in beside Tavares and Nylander. Kerfoot moves to the wing to play with Riley Nash at center and Ilya Mikheyev. Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza, and Wayne Simmons round out the um, you know the the uh, the retiree line with Riley Brody, Muzzin Hall, and it's looking like Bogosian Sandin. Jack Campbell gets the nod for game one. Did anything there surprise you? On defense, no. I think Sandin's outplayed Dermott. I just think he brings more offensively to the table. They could certainly use him on the power play. Uh, I think what their defense lacks is maybe another high-end puck mover, and I think he could kind of fill in that gap. In terms of forwards, I just I'm a little bit surprised at how unproven the lines are. Like we don't know how Felino really plays with Tavares Nylander. We've barely seen it. I think just a couple games. Obviously, we've never seen the Riley Nash play with Kerfoot Mikhaev. And then we never really saw much of that Thornton Spezza Simmons line this year either. I think just a couple games. Spezza played the wing for most of the year. Now he's going to center. So for me, I just, that would be my one concern. And one thing that I'm surprised by is, you know, you have the whole regular season. You almost expect to have this, you know, some similar lines that you've tried out in the past. There's a lot of, I guess, unproven groups up front. Third line makes me real nervous. Because. Go ahead. I don't think they're going to score, but they should be strong defensively. Like Riley Nash, Mikhaev, Kerfoot can all play solid defense. My concern is definitely the scoring depth because if that line can't score, now you're really, you're really counting on, you know, the older players on the fourth line to, to, you know, provide some offense. Simmons didn't really score much this year. Obviously Spezza did. I do think bottom six offense could be a concern. It's definitely going to be. This is, Matthews and Tavares, your lines need to score. Our job in the bottom two is to not get killed. That's what right. it feels like. And right. Matthews has traditionally been a playoff goal scorer, right? Even in the last year, his sh- shooting percentage was bad, but I think his only really bad year when it came to goals was the first Boston series. So that would have been 2017, I believe. I can't remember. Whatever they played Boston the first time. Yeah. That time. That was the only time he didn't really score. I, I, I don't, I, you're, you took the words right out of my mouth with the point about they haven't really played together. So it could go great. Riley Nash is deemed as the type of guy who, when he steps on the ice, nothing happens. And that's a good thing. It means it's not going in your net. It's not going in theirs either, but it's not going in your net. And he's already eliminated the, the Leafs in the playoffs twice. And you know what, Ian, I think we should go here. I, well, let's I, just, I, I just want to say one thing on the lines and then go, you can yeah. move wherever you want. Yeah. They, if we have a 2020 Tavares round, I think there has to be some concern. Now, guys, have been un- unbelievable, right? It, it feels like for the last little while. But if this is one of those things where it feels like he can't buy one. Remember against Columbus, like it felt like he hit every post. Yeah, and early he you know, was that, atrocious in that series. Yeah, and he really struggled. But games four and five, he was better. Mm-hmm. I worry because. I mean, if Tavares struggles and it's Felino and Nylander, I mean, 
we may be down to one line. You know, like, I, I, I mean, again, th- this is all worst case scenario, but you have to prepare for the worst case when it comes to this team. For sure you do. So I, I think, yeah, I think you raise a good point about the scoring depth. I, you know, I look at that. I look at that and I say, okay, we're definitely sandpaper. sandpaper we're, we have more sandpaper than, than before, without question. But uh, is it a bit of an overcorrection? Well, they got Galchenyuk sitting on the bench. So if they do need to bring in some scoring, they got him. I think they're just going, let's just be responsible. Let's trust our top two, our top two lines. I like Galchenyuk. And the top line that is fucking awesome. Like, it's awesome. Yeah. And Hyman yeah, can play up stop. and down the lineup. If the third line is struggling and you need someone to impact in the, on the offensive zone, Hyman's proven he can drive a line. All of a sudden, he drops down. Maybe Kerfoot moves up beside Tavares and Nylander. Like, or the, Keith does not, does not wait to change lines. If something's not working, the one thing you can say about Sheldon is he will try something new. Fair. Sometimes it's to the detriment, and sometimes it works. But he's what, really at center? Well, those are well, good times. That, that was a, I was going to bring that. God damn, I was going to bring it up too. But I, I, honestly, like I said, if you look at this on paper, I think the Canadians are better than you give them credit for, but they don't have that that offensive superstar firepower that makes you that makes you makes you cringe. I think they have the best defenseman in the series. I think Petrie's the best defenseman on both teams. But I think Brody has been such a revelation for this team. I'm excited to see what Morgan Riley we're going to get. And this is the last piece before we get to predictions. Can Jack Campbell be Jordan Bennington? Can that happen, Kevin? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I God, He's had I such a so. good year. He's had such a good year. We've seen him go on a on a some amazing stretches. I know Anderson hasn't been great. I kind of like having him at least as a plan B. Like we've seen the team go into the playoffs with sparks. Good point. Like whatever you're going to say about Anderson, he's not sparks. Um, <laughs> so I at, least have, I at least have more, uh, at least Buddy, a little you bit. Did it. You're not Garrett Sparks. You did it. <laughs> at least you have at least a, a shred of hope, right? Even Riddich, we've seen what he could do if he gets hot. I don't want to see Riddich in the series but at least he's, he's someone who could at least give you a chance. So I do think Campbell, oh, such a, such a well-likable person. And I, you just hope he could do it. I do think that, you know, the team has a lot of faith in him. Uh, even if he has a rough game, I think he'll be back in game two. It's just, we, as, as a least fan, you're just always, I guess, skeptical. You, you just, well, he could be joining B- Jordan Bennington. He could also be terrible. And I think yeah. that's where we look at this and go, I think the three biggest concerns here, and you know, I was talking to Ian, our dad last week about this, and I think it's bang on is, does this team have enough physicality, both mentally and physically to just make it through the grind that is the playoffs? Is the goaltending going to be what it has been? Or is, or is it just unproven and we don't know? And then the power play. What the hell is going on there? What, what are we going to get out of that? Like this should be, their biggest asset is you take a penalty, we're going to score on you. That's what it should be. And it's most certainly is not. And uh, Kevin, I'll give you 30 seconds on the power play before you go to get to the predictions. I just think in, in some of the past years, we've seen them be outstanding in the regular season on terms of the power play and then go cold and, and come playoff time. We just need the opposite. I was looking at it today. Somehow re- they were just reverse jinx that shit. Like we've been awful. So it means we're- <laughs> that's what we need. We need the reverse. Somehow they're first in the NHL in, in five, five v four goals per sixty. I don't oh, expected goals per sixty. Yeah. So I don't know. I think the power play was moving the puck well a few games back. Lately, it hasn't been so so hot. 
they are trying a different setup now. It looks like Thornton's back on the first power play unit. It looks like Matthews is on his one-timer side. I don't know. I'm just hoping it's it's the reverse of what we've seen in previous years, I guess. Their zone entries make me want to jump into the lake. Okay, they are atrocious. Just give William Nylander the puck. That's what yeah. he does best. And just let him gain the zone. Please, everyone. And everyone just get out of his way. So we've made it. Ian, you're going first. Leafs, Habs, what is your prediction? And uh, you know what? You're going to go ahead. So to me, what's going to define this year's run is, and again, we're not talking about, I'm not talking about winning the Stanley Cup. Let's take it one step at a time. But what we saw back in 2019 with the Raptors was that Orlando game one was so gut-wrenching and it was such a gut punch to every Raptor fan and everyone within that organization, like, here we go again. So I I take that back to the 2021 Leafs where can you get punched in the mouth and handle the adversity? So if you go down 1-0, is this a group that is going to be able to withstand that punch and come back and be okay? Is there going to be a level of calm, right, in that room? Because now you've grown men in that room, right? So you know, back in 2019, 0-1, down 0-1 against Orlando, everyone's cool. Down 2-1 to Philly, Kawhi's like, we got it. You, you know, down 2-0 to, to Milwaukee, no change. So I, I think that's the type of that's the type of energy and mentality that I want to see where, hey, if, if period doesn't go their way, are they going to panic and fold or are they going to stay the course and trust it? And I think that's going to be the big thing. That's what I'm going to look for. But no, I got the Leafs in six. And I, I think they're better. I think this team is built different. And you have to you have to shed the demons somehow. So stay relentless and stay the course. That has to be the goal. You're up, Kevin. What's I'm going Leafs in, Leafs in six as well. I think I agree where if they get down – they need to continue to have to put on the gas, not get frustrated. For me, the key is going to be that second line. I trust that Hyman Matthews Marner line to produce. I think that's going to happen. Foligno, you know, that was their big deadline addition. They didn't get Hall. They didn't get Palmieri. They chose Foligno. We don't really know how it works with Tavares Nylander. If that line could be successful and that if Foligno looks like a great addition, I, I think that's really going to be the key. Power play, goaltending, of course. But a five-on-five, that second line is going to be the key, especially if if the bottom six is is not producing much. So I'm I'm watching that second line. I'm also watching – I just think there's going to be less defensive breakdowns, knock on wood, Uh, just, you know, with with Bogosian and Brody there with actual defense this year. Barry and CeCe aren't back there. Riley Nash to help out up front. You know, this team didn't used to have all that many strong defensive forwards. I think Matthews and Marner continue to improve there. I think Tavares had a much better year defensively. Felino's fantastic in the neutral zone. It, it, you try and get a puck past him. It's That's where I think, because I was going to agree with you, that second line needs to be great and not just defensively because Felino's added to that. That needs to be a component of it, but they need to score the they need to score the, the, the goals because Deneau is going to be draped all over Matthews for the entire series. And so it's going to be... That ain't going to matter. He's going to cook them. He always cooks Montreal, but it's going to be that Eric Stahl, Josh Anderson line against, you know, Willie and, and Tavares. And can they handle that? And they should be able to take advantage of that matchup, but we'll see. So you got, you got Leafs in six. Yeah. I got, I got Leafs in five. Um, like I said, I think that if you strip the sweaters away, I think there's going to be a hiccup. Toronto is a much better hockey team. They have the talent to do this. We can get into a larger debate about is the North division terrible? Like, 
is Montreal probably the worst four seed of all the four seeds? Like I think they're better than Nashville, but again, we don't, this is, that's a larger conversation. The Leafs are going to have some hiccups here. They need to power through this and you got to take these wins when you can, because you're not getting this opportunity again to have this type of road to the, to the finals. And they have to look at that. They got to look at themselves in the mirror with Thornton and Simmons and Spezza and, and Felino and those guys in that room who have been there and done this before. They got to say, like, this is something that we have to take advantage of. And I'm excited to see that happen. So I have the Leafs in five. If this goes to seven, I don't know if how I'm going to if I'm going to make it. But Kevin, this was a lot of fun, buddy. Uh, we really appreciate it. Last question. Will Kyle Lowry stay or will he go as we transition to the second half of our podcast where we talk about the NBA? Kevin, is Kyle Lowry staying or going? I think he's going. Oh, (laughs) Leafs win. Kyle goes. Kevin, thanks a lot, buddy. Really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Go Leafs, go. So we just dissected the Maple Leafs, the NHL at large, and what could come of the NHL playoffs. But with the NBA season just finishing, Ian, we had to bring back the pod god. Rob Shaw is here. Rob, what is going on, big guy? How you doing? What's going on, bros? Like, I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> I, I genuinely enjoy being in the pod sphere with you dudes. Well, we enjoy having you here. We appreciate that, man. We're, we're thrilled you're here. We're thrilled you're here. We, we, we got some big stuff going on. And there's a reason we're doing it at this time of night. Um, it is... 919 on the East Coast, and we're all gearing up for what's going to be what we hope is an epic playing game tonight because all of the other ones have been an utter waste of time so far. We're just going to disrespect Jason Tatum's 50 piece McNugget <laughs> last night. Yeah, yeah, we are. I, I mean, kind of, yeah. I'm, I'm, cu- I mean, I'm cool look, with it. I get it. Like, I get it. 50 points is amazing, and what Tatum did is great, but you can't look at that Boston team and tell me that's a team you root for, right? Like, I'm not saying that as a Raptor fan. I just mean in general, like that team has been so putrid all year. Like they don't deserve to share the same court as Brooklyn. I don't care how many points Jason Tatum scores. Just overall, I really need Steph and LeBron to live up to the hype because the play in tournament as a basketball fan, like as a hardcore basketball fan, is critical because like to the casual fan the la- the playing tournament might not matter but like dudes that watch every day know that the last three to four weeks of the regular nba season suck and with the play in looming yes, it's been very very fun these last couple weeks so if all four games are duds because uh, the memphis spurs one is a uh, nine-point game right now, but it started as a 20-point game. If we have four duds, the people that don't want this are going to have a lot of ground to stand on. What side of the fence are you on then? Have you been pro-playing or anti-playing? Pro or are you, you're So you're pro, so you're not even LeBron, just flip-flopping back and forth, doesn't know which one No, 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 I'm okay. all the way in. All the way. Would you take it a step further? Would you? And would it be... Would you change this? Because I kind of like the one the way it was last year, where you know you, you get a couple in that second chance if you're the higher seed. I kind of like that compared to what we have now, but I, it's kind of splitting hairs. I, I I think. Well, I you technically do get a second chance as the two mm-hmm. higher seeds. Like if you lose right. the seven eight, that's game, true. You just fall like to seven. Play the winner of nine, you 10. Just, yeah, you just fall to seven. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. That's my fault. Yep. 
But I, I love this. Like, as somebody who slogs through NBA games, the last three or four weeks are always really boring because the good players are sitting and the only thing you have to get excited about is, oh, rookie X put up 22 points in garbage time and that's his third 20-point game in the point of the season that nobody cares about. It's well, like the whole league is the Minnesota Timberwolves normally. <laughs> well, the NBA is good at delivering these types of, of matchups. The, we were just, obviously, we just did an NHL podcast. We mentioned that before. And the big matchup that everyone wants in the NHL is Colorado and Vegas. They're two of the most exciting teams in the NHL. They're two of the best teams in the NHL. And we could get that in the second round. But, and one of the questions I actually meant to ask the previous guest, which I didn't get to, was which way is NHL going to screw this up? Because we don't get nice things in the NHL. One of those teams is going to lose to some upstart um underdog who just wins because their goalie gets hot for a week but in the nba we're going to get this game who what do you expect to see from tonight rob it's this is like very first half dependent for me like if if it's close we might get a full 45 minutes from Steph. but if this looks like the lakers are going to pull away i assume that uh, steve kerr just says Look, live to fight another day. Let's rest Steph and the and Draymond, and let's try and knock out what looks like it's going to be Memphis. So we're going to do a little bit of a spin, but it's going to come on the backs of the Toronto Raptors. So we'll get to the speaking, the of, main speaking topic. of slogging through a season. So we'll get back to the main topic in a minute, but we wanted to bring on an impartial voice to break down what was a very forgettable NBA season for the Toronto Raptors. I believe we all had the over. It very much did not come over. Um, Tampa, I'm sure, had a lot to do with that. Ian, I'm going to give you the mic. It's your go. Take as much time as you need. What the fuck happened? So, first of all, I just want to point out, like, Marcus All is everything, Right. JV is throwing up a 21 and 19 on San Antonio's face at the moment. And there's four minutes left in the fourth or in the third. So that could end up being like a 2020 night. So I just want to leave that there as another, just another nugget in a, in a, in a tough Raptor season, particularly one that didn't have a center. I, I think, look, this came down to COVID in Tampa. And I think this squad could have sustained one, and could have found a way to deal with one, but they couldn't deal with both. And, you know, this is a, this is an organization that deserves to be mentioned as one of the five best in the league. This is a team that when we have this podcast in eight months or six months or whatever it is, I'm going to be taking the Toronto Raptors over next year as well. This was a blip in an otherwise steady rise back to being a, a title contender. Right. And I'm glad it's over because I, I hated to see what those guys went through to have the, the fans in Tampa cheer for the other team. I'm glad it's over. I'm glad everyone gets to go home. And this is a squad that when they come back next year, I'm only penciling in three teams better than them. And that's Milwaukee, Philly and Brooklyn. That four spot is theirs unless something unless something catastrophic happens. And they're still in Tampa. This is a team that's coming back. Boston, Miami, none of those teams. The, the resurgent New York, 
none of those teams you feel I think so you would say that you're in there How, in that category so so of all the teams forget teams that missed the playoffs so let's say Boston down how many of those how many teams that are seven seed and below have a I mean Lakers obviously notwithstanding have a better core than this Raptors group two right like what, what do we talk we're talking Golden State for sure Boston, maybe because Tatum and Brown are at a different level. What other team? New Orleans. You know, no. I, I mean, Zion is everything. Names out there. Zion is Zion is everything. Don't get it twisted. But no, none of those teams have a group like this. This is a, this is a team that we're talking about in 2022-2023 where we could be looking at three guys, three guys now who could be all stars. Was this a with, with more on the way? Was this a blip? First of all, Toronto got hosed. Like, I'm not a mathematician, but just simple elementary math tells me that there, this was a 72-game season, and they played all 72 games on the road. And in an 82-game season, that is still the equivalent of all the games on the road. It's good math. Like good it, math. The math adds up. Yeah. It's... And like I say that to be funny, but that's not fair. They already get double taxed by the by Uncle Sam and the Queen to have to play in a city in a in a state that already has three NBA teams. That's that's no good. Like if they wanted to give the Raptors a fighting chance. Like, I understand we couldn't play in Canada for whatever logistical reasons. They're supposed to drop them in Seattle or a city that is starved for NBA basketball. Great. Not one that they're the, – the Magic aren't even the main team there. In, oh, the, this, was a, this was a bad season for the Raptors from a COVID standpoint and – they didn't have the comforts of home. Like forget the city everywhere they played, but Toronto was going to be uncomfortable, but playing in the state of Florida where there's three other basketball teams and then a litany of other attractions did them absolutely no favors. Well, let's be nice. That- let's be nice. Cause there were some good things that happened. That's I what I want to get to. I think Malachi there Flynn. Are Malachi Flynn, as we talked about earlier, in, I think our first podcast together, Rob. Mm-hmm. Malachi was great. Jalen Harris, Aaron, that dude Jaylen is a Harris, bucket. I think Jalen Harris was good. Kem Birch coming over, yes, proving himself. Freddie Gillespie, and I think Gary Trent Jr. Just, just saying, hey, we'll take younger Norman Powell, with you know who's longer and you know a just better hair and fashion sense. Do but, you guys have your pick? Do we have our pick? Yes. We do. Yeah, seventh. It's sitting seventh right now. So that's all that matters. Yes. I, the first time I came on the pod, I said, and I'm here to double down on that, that the Raptors are a superstar away from being championship contenders. Like, this is a ready-made team for fill-in superstar X. They missed on Giannis. Um there's lots of fun stuff in 2022, particularly with Kawhi, if there's another Clippers meltdown. But the most important amazing. thing is you guys have your pick in a loaded draft. The NBA last year changed the way the ping pong balls were weighted. 
you guys have the best player development group core team in the sport. Swing for the fences. Whatever pick you get, swing for the fences and believe that you can develop that player into a superstar because you've been doing it with way low. How do you say lower or higher picks? You did it at Pascal at 28, Fred Van Fleet undrafted. The Raptors 905 is amazing. Mm -hmm. So you just take a swing for the fences and believe in that development core. And maybe your ready-made superstar is somebody that you draft and have their rights for the next nine years, unless the collective bargaining changes, because no good player has ever said, yo, I'll play a year on the qualifying offer and then hit unrestricted free agency. The best player to do that is Greg Monroe, and we all Greg know Monroe. Greg Monroe sucks. <laughs> so, Moose. former former Raptor and Pistons, um, the one and thing every I will other say, team because he sucks. Yeah, that's right, Milwaukee. <laughs> so the one thing I will say, I, I want to touch on Gary Trent, and I want to get back to the pick. I think how the Gary Trent Jr. situation panned out, and by the way, we got Rodney Hood too, and we're not going to pick up his non guaranteed next year, but I do kind of like Rodney Hood. Um, I think if, if he's your eighth guy, you can do a lot worse guy who can handle the ball, guard both wing positions, you know, shoot a little bit, score a little bit, pass a little bit. Like I'm a Rodney hood guy. Um, but I think the interesting thing about Trent was that when he got here and then when he put up that 40 spot, he was sort of playing himself into more money and he was playing himself into Norman Powell money, like 20. And, you know, then he struggled and then didn't play. So there's a, there is a roadmap now where he settles between 12 and 16. And I just think that's a, that's a coup, you know, like to get a player like that. Masai said, so, take, a, take a seat. We need to afford you. Okay. Yeah. And you know, and, and, and from everything that Toronto used to be a place that players would come and go, Oh, why here? Now you have, you know, Kyle Lowry is talking about how important, being a Raptor in this city is to him. Kem Birch is talking about how this team change is changing his life. Gary Trent Jr. When they ask him, Hey, do you want to be a Raptor? He's like, I, I love this. I love everything about this. This is not an organization now that people scoff at. This is an organization they thumb their nose at. So one blip in the year, isn't going, going to affect it On to the pick. So seventh in lottery odds, but as, as the pod God mentioned, have the opportunity to move up Rob with that in mind, who is your dream? Obviously, Cade Cunningham would be dope, but him, not including him, where do you see the best fit? And Masai came out today. He said we're, it's either going to be an impeccable fit or they're just going best player available. Who do you view in, within their range that they could look at and say, this is a guy who could make an impact moving forward? Okay. This is weird because this is very Raptors specific for me. I'm not the biggest Jonathan Kaminga fan, but with the player development that the Raptors have, that's the kind of big swing I want to take because I'm not a Kaminga fan because I think I see the potential, but I don't know that it's ever reached or for. So he's Cam Reddish. No, no, some players are all, he's going to reach his potential with all 30 teams. And some are, I need the right spot and the right fit. This could be one of those situations. I think it's, they're getting a Mitchell kid. 
from uh, Davion Mitchell from Baylor from, uh, Baylor. Butler, uh, from Baylor. I, I just feel like this this dude was made to play Toronto basketball. Now again, another guard, <laughs> another guard. Not the big swing though. Like he's, <laughs> no, he's very solid. He's good. He's very, he's good. Like, just, just take a big swing. Like try and knock this one out the park. And it's actually been like Masai's when he's had the higher picks, bit head scratchy. Like the the Pirtle pick at in the moment was almost indefensible, you know, because you, you had Sabonis who went right after him, who just three months earlier made Pirtle his child. Now, thankfully, he drafted Pirtle because Greg Popovich liked him enough to want to include him in a deal for Kawhi Leonard, which then brought us a title. But I, it's, this is the point, right? You trust them in their development. Because even if Pirtle wasn't the pick, you know what? They made him a pretty damn good NBA player. They still made him that. And they brought him into, into the culture. And I think the culture that this Raptors team has, with or without Kyle Lowry, breeds winning mentalities. It's just to Ian's earliest point, I think that was the key. The hurdles that they had to overcome this year, while every team in the NBA had hurdles, whether that's injuries, COVID, personal, they didn't have to play 100% of their games on the road in front of in front of opposing fans, away from potentially away from family, away from their home, away from the comfort of just, oh, I can relax. Imagine going into that season. Like I know Masai put his hand up and said that this, the bad start was on me because of the roster construction. I'm sure that's part of it. No, it's correct. But it's, it's absolutely it, correct. Yeah, the Baines thing. I get it. But it's also, you are they're, they're human beings playing this sport. They had to worry about where the fuck is my kid going to go to school? What am I gonna do? Where do I get groceries? What am I going to do with this? I know that they, they don't have to worry about money. But you still got to worry about the day-to-day things that you, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an adult. And so no, none of the other teams had that. Packed on to, at the time... Vaccines weren't rolling out. They're in the craziest COVID state in the entire country. Tens of thousands of positive cases a day with government not even caring, throwing their hands up and being like, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. If not, if not, we're going to live our lives and be in in South Beach till we die. That's it. Welcome to Florida. I don't, it is what it is. And you know what? I think that being, this is one one of the beautiful things about doing this podcast and sometimes one of the negative things is we've had so many guests on this podcast from the, from Toronto media that now we follow all these people on Leafs, Twitter, Raptors, Twitter, whatever, basketball, Twitter, whatever. And Raptors, Twitter is extremely vocal. Now I'm not saying that, you know, they're the most vocal, the least, they're just very vocal. They talk about a lot of diverse stuff. They're very, very, you know, inclusive. And it was just like, Hey, it is what it is. Winning a title helped, I'm sure, a couple of years ago. What's the rule? Get five years off? Yeah, Something like that. I, Winning cures everything. That's it. And you got Masai out there today, and, and I want to flip this. I want to flip this to Masai because he's not under contract. It's come out that, he, you know, I can't remember who said it, but he's the second, second best Raptor of all time behind Kyle. And Fred said members, that. members of his staff, like Fred and people who are saying this, they bring that up to him in the, in the press conference, and he's crying because – he loves this team. He's saying, I could go to battle with each and every one of these people in this organization and on this team. And my question to you, Ian, is what's next? Michael Grange is coming out and saying, and Rob, I'm not sure if you know Grange, but he's like the most tapped in guy in Toronto for, for the Raptors. It's saying that he feels it's a done deal. He's staying. 
But did you get the sense that that's a dude that's staying after that press conference? I, I'm not saying one way or another. I'm just asking the question. By the way, the guy I want, in, obviously, in the draft, if it's not Kate Cunningham, the guy wants Jalen Johnson. He has uh, – I like him. He he sort of strikes me as a guy that can sort of play all over the place, and I like that. Not your boy Suggs? Uh, I love Suggs, but where where am I possibly fitting him? Right? Like, I, I, lo- I think he's great. If he's there, you obviously take him. But, like, it, where am I putting him? Is he playing – is Trent coming off the bench? Is he playing next to Trent Van Vliet and potentially Lowry? Like, how is all that working? Anyway, the, the one thing I'll say about Masai is that this is clearly a guy who has made longstanding relationships with the Raptors and views those people as family. The only thing that is going to fuck this up and fuck that relationship up that he has with that organization in that city, the only thing that's going to get in the way of that is if ownership doesn't man up. And that is, I'm not saying that from a blank check perspective. He said that today. I am saying from a perspective of, are we committed to bringing a WNBA team to Toronto? Are we committed to continuously spending in the luxury tax if we need to? Are, are we committed to paying a ton for our staff and our, you know, our support staff and, you know, facilities and everything like that? Are and we going to do it? The 905, are we going to continue to do what it takes to be Golden State Warriors East? And I'm not saying from a championship perspective. I'm saying from the perspective of people envy the way that we do things. And that's what it comes down to. Rob said it earlier. We have the best player development staff in the entire NBA. And that is clearly important to Masai. So we need to make sure that we're going to continue, continue to do those things. We have to be a premier organization. That's what it's about. Outsider's perspective, how important is an executive when you look at what Masai is when it comes to being the executive in Toronto, Rob? You can't lose him. It it sends a – you guys are the fan base, but from the outside looking in, losing Masai, unless it was like of his own volition where he said, hey, I'm moving on, they did everything correctly. Anything other than that is, it sends the wrong message to the fans. It says, hey, we got a taste of winning and we liked it, but we like money more. Or we think we can do this without him. We can find a replacement. You just have to just pony up and you have a great thing going here with somebody who clearly wants to be here and has invested and... I think him being of non-American descent matters. I think some American players scoff at the idea of playing in Toronto. Maybe not so much now, but before. So when you get um, people that aren't American in these cities, like everything, it's all foreign. So uh, Texas and Toronto might be different climate wise, but it's all not my home country or so it doesn't really matter. I think that's why uh, international guys love to stay like I'm cool. This is my American home now. Sorry, I got off on a tirade. No, no, no. no. I I think I think what you're saying is valid. And I I do think that when it the Messiah thing's a non-starter when it comes to what is most important 
the most important thing for the Toronto Raptors organization is to get clearance to play in Toronto. That is number one. Number two is Masai. And I, mean, though, I, by the way, got, I think you got those backwards, but no, because those two things go hand in hand, right? Because can my team survive? This team clearly can't survive no matter who is driving, driving the boat. This team cannot survive outside of Toronto. Fair point. We, we just Masai, Masai was literally the captain. Masai was there. Do it. Right. Yep. And by the way, there's, there's no one in the NBA better at it than him. Wait, are we and, positive that I didn't mean to cut you off, but are we positive? No. I think it was you made the point that it was the combination of Tampa and COVID. I do think this is a playoff team if it's not both. If yes. COVID I agree. doesn't hit you guys so hard, it's a playoff team, and then this is a completely different conversation. And Explain if, and if COVID still Raptors... and if COVID still hit, but they're in Toronto. I think that they could have they could have got over that. They as could well have weathered the storm because they would have come out got out to a better start. Yeah, Ian's point was they could every every team in the NBA had to deal with one of them, and then all the other normal basketball stuff that happens, like injuries and personal reasons, and and you know contract negotiations and stuff. Toronto had to deal with two. The Wizards they had to deal with two. Tell me why the what Raptors did you say? couldn't be the Wizards. Tell me why the Raptors couldn't be the Wizards. No, no, no. That's the perfect point. The the Wizards got blasted by COVID, blasted. but they still played in Washington. Mm-hmm. Miami like they still is had... another one. Dallas, another one. What you didn't get to was potentially the third point. And this is going to be the last point about the Raptors before we get to our, our, our final little fun topic that we have. And it's Lowry. Because I think that he is obviously not a dark cloud of, of sadness, but he's the greatest Raptor of all time. He is up for a contract. He has come out and basically said, you know, it's not about money, but it's about money and, and length and everything. It's about all of it. This could be this is his last chance to get something. Ian, he stay or he go? I believe he stays. And the reason I believe he stays is because, first of all, he means more to this franchise than any other franchise. And we saw that at the trade deadline. Philadelphia, Miami and the Los Angeles Lakers are all collectively brain dead for the fact that they held on to Tyrese Maxey, Taylor Horton Tucker, (laughs) and Tyler Hero if it meant being the unequivocal favorite to win the fucking title, right? What are we talking about? You know, we talk about Chris Paul as, as if he is this franchise changer, and he is. Kyle Lowry is as important right? The first 12 years of of their careers, Chris Paul is without question the better player, right? But the last three, it's been a dead heat. And, you know, we we talk about Chris, like he is this culture setter. And we talk about Kyle, like, oh, we can't give up Tyrese fucking Maxi. Give me a break. You know, Lowry means so much more to this organization. And to me, it's two years 50, or we go three years 75, but it's a half guarantee on the third year. And even if that contract stings in year three, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, Kyle Lowry is still an all-star, all-star level point guard today. And if he's an all-star level point guard today, and you know, he can play with Freddie as it is, you run it back, run it back. You nail your pick, you spend to fix the center position and you run it back in Toronto and see where you are. He stay. What do you think, Rob? Oh, I'm bringing the bad news. 
the way you guys talk about Kyle Lowry is the exact reason he's leaving. <laughs> the love and adoration the fan base has for him means when he leaves, it's going to be okay. The fan base isn't going to turn on him. It's not Vince Carter. This no, no, but like that's yeah. the reason he's Exa- good to exactly. go. Exactly. He's going to be able to say... I love everything about Toronto, but these last few years of my career, I'd like to add another championship. And there's been rumblings out in LA that Dennis Schroeder is already doing Dennis Schroeder things and saying, I don't know if my role is right. Miami will have the cap space. He's going to wind up in Los Angeles. They're going to show him that they're going to show Schroeder the exit so quick when Laurie's on the table without having to give anything up, but cash. So where, so how is, unless Kyle Lowry is taking a steep discount, which he has already said he's not going to do, how many realistic cap space teams out there? And Sean, while you're looking at your computer, pull up the teams that have cap space. How many of these teams that have cap space can sign him outright? We are in the teams that could potentially win the title. We are talking. And again, he has talked about, you know, Brian Windhorst reported around the trade deadline that the number for Lowry was two years, 50. And how many of these teams out there can realistically afford to do that? Now, if, if he says to the Raptors, look, guys, I want to go to Los Angeles, Masai or Bobby, whoever's in charge, is going to make damn sure that they take care of Kyle and send him to where he wants to be assigned and trade. But the, the, the roadmap to pull that off, I think, is trickier than we think. There's a reason, you know, we see it, but there's a reason we don't see the Jimmy Butler move every year. So, of all these teams, we're talking the teams that have cap space to sign them out, right? We're talking like Detroit. Uh, we're talking uh, Miami. You know, we, we're not talking about, you know, the Los Angeleses, the Clippers, the Lakers. We're not talking about, you know, Brooklyn or, or Philadelphia even. So I, I just think it's going to come down to options. And, and if the option is weighed that Miami is going to give them 15, the Lakers are going to give them the mid-level. And the Raptors are going to come in somewhere between 40 and 50 million. And he gets to stay in a, in, in a city that he loves. I, I just don't know that the math is out there. That's what See, I'm saying. I'm not as plugged in as you. So I don't know that he's like exactly what his number is. I just know that throughout my basketball life, I've seen guys on the back end of their career. Um, Larry's a little bit different because he has his championship. Right. But I've seen You're guys right. take a pay cut to try sure. and get another ring or a ring. But so, like, what the numbers you put out there are drastic. Like the difference between 50 million and 15 million. I don't know if a ring is worth 35 for me. No, especially when he's already got it. Right. And yeah. you know, th- there's teams. So the, like we said, Miami can, can make the space, right. They can get to 28. Um, obviously that's with relinquishing Oladipo and saying that we're, that we're, this experiment did not work, uh, which is, which is not the end of the world. You know, the Lakers can get enough to get like 18 million. They can get off of, of Schroeder. They'd KCP have to do something to with KCP and then they're there. And yeah, then but there. then you still have to sign Caruso, Talon Horton, Tucker, and right. you need to replace. But again, but, the, like the, but there could also be some type of sign and trade opportunity. If Without the, question. That's the way the Lakers would get Lowry. It's like, we'll sign and trade. Here's Schroeder, Taylor Horton, Tucker. You, we didn't let you have him before, but now we got Kyle Lowry signed to, to, to three years, third years non-guaranteed. You know, again, the teams that like we're talking about here again, you're, you know, you're looking 
Um, you know, you're looking at the Heat, the Knicks, the Thunder, the Spurs, Hornets, Grizzlies, the Mavericks. Knicks would be get, interesting. The Mavericks can get to 25 million. The Bulls, but like none of these teams scream Lowry. The teams that scream Lowry, you would need to make some type of adjustment, and they would be sign and trade. And again, it comes back to it'd be teams that could have had him, you know, two months ago and had his bird rights. So it's just, I, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense on that side. I'm going to just jump in and I also, obviously, I'm not going to be surprised either way. And to Rob's no. point, he has earned the right to make his decision. And the Raptors fan base is going to love him no matter what. So maybe that makes it's it easier point. to go. But it's going to come back to where is the home for Kyle? I know he wants to play with Jimmy Butler. Miami makes a hell of a lot of sense. Agreed. He loves Philly. I don't think that they can do anything there. So I, I would say that he leaves and goes to Miami. If he leaves, that's where he goes. And if he stays, he stays in Toronto. Because I think that he can. It's he's already. It's already been in the Twitter sphere long enough that he wants to be with play with Jimmy. That it's not like, hey, I'm leaving you because I want to go win a title. It's like I want to go play with my buddy. I'm, I've already won my title. I'm gonna play with my buddy. Because then, if he says I want to go win a title, then you might get that Raptors fan base like, well, fuck, we can't win one here. We just won one two years ago. We uh, the biggest chess money, piece in all of this is going to be Masai. Yeah, the yeah. biggest chess piece in all of this is going to be Masai because if Masai leaves. Masai's not leaving because Larry Tannenbaum wasn't going to pay him enough. Masai's leaving because he doesn't believe in the ownership's vision of the next five years. And if Masai doesn't believe in that vision, Kyle won't either. That's where you'd see. And, and if you thought this year was rough, Raptor fans, if you had to endure that for eight months and then watch the greatest player in your franchise's history – and the greatest executive in the city's history walk out in the same eight-week span, I can't imagine what that pain would feel like. So we're 10 minutes to, to game time, probably 17 minutes to tip off. But let's do this. The Raptors have been eliminated from the playoffs, Rob. Raptor fans need a franchise. They need a team, a roster, a player to rally around. They need a bandwagon to jump on. We asked you to pick a team and make a case for the best bandwagon team in the playoffs, either potentially still playing in the plant or we know is in the playoffs to rally around for the 2021 NBA playoffs. Who is your bandwagon team that we need to be jumping on? So I came into this podcast ready to tell you guys, you guys just played in Florida go for the heat but with the potential of the toronto raptor goat being on the heat in a few months i don't know if i want to send you guys to miami anymore like i'd like to florida but like i don't really want to cheer for jimmy yeah exactly like if jimmy is going to steal the best player your franchise has ever seen i i could see you not wanting to root for him and tyler hero's stupid face so let's you guys are going to just keep taking Kentucky shots, huh? He killed Maxi. <laughs> then you got Hero just now. Um, let's root for Brooklyn and just watch NBA Twitter burn. Like James Harden gets a ring. Kyrie gets a ring. Durant has his third one. It's the little brother finally wins one. Like it'd be like the Clippers winning one in LA if the – Brooklyn Nets won. 
just watch the world burn as we have a guy, we're talking about an NBA player who likes to go to strip clubs, is occasionally fat and quit on his team. And, and then he decided to show you how good he is. Like James Harden literally said, oh man, they think all I can do is score. Let me remind them I'm a top three passer in the world. And then Kyrie Irving takes, he no calls, no shows NBA games. Like the same way you would say, Yo, I'm just not going to win my job at Wendy's today. He says that about NBA games. Kevin Durant fights with comedians and fans alike on Twitter. And they have Mike James. Ooh, I like Mike James. <laughs> I like Mike James. You're forgetting me too, a lot. You're forgetting yeah, a key function of this. Raptor fan. Now, I agree. Great bandwagon team. Really good chance to win. A lot of fun to watch. Have star power coming out of the ass. They are the sister team in a massive, massive market. The one problem is Raptor fans. No, don't so I can apologize for this. Apologize. I know, but maybe. Yeah, well, I, it's more to Paul Pierce. It, it, that, but it, it was fuck Brooklyn. Nobody owes Paul Pierce apologies. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Raptors are underdogs. Raptors fans don't cheer for favorites. That's going to be the tough one is will they like jumping on a team that gets so much media coverage and is the, the darling. The Raptors are never the darlings as a bandwagon. I love it. That is my only rebuttal to that. Do you have any comment back to me on that before we move to Ian? You can just, you can just change the way the NBA, you can change the NBA lexicon on so many players and so many people with just this one team winning. Like, all right, Durant did it as the alpha. Harden is a winner. Kyrie did it again. Kyrie's Kyrie. Steve Nash wins it as a rookie head coach. DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin win one Jeff together. Jeff Green. Jeff Green is somehow good again. <laughs> good or, well, well, not again. He's just good Jeff now. Is, yeah, He's just good yeah. now. <laughs> Like they put the uncle in front of his name and all of a sudden, like all the things we thought he should do as a 25 year old, he now does as like a 32 year old. DeAndre. Yeah, he sucks, but I know but he's, he's a part of the team. He is. Ian, as the resident of Raptors Twitter on this podcast, who are you recommending the Raptors bandwagon? Who is the best bandwagon team to you? So the easy answers are obviously teams with former Raptors on them, right? We're talking Norm with Portland, potentially, although I highly doubt it, Jonas with Memphis, you know, DeMar with San Antonio. I mean, so obviously, you know, those obvious teams, sure. To me, the team to go for is the New York Knicks. Ooh. And and it's the New York Knicks. It's the New York Knicks because – this season is so much fun, partly because of how good the Knicks are. And Julius Randle oh, is God. Julius Randle is, by the way, if he's not on your all NBA second team, you're doing something wrong. It is unbelievable to watch him work. And I'm sorry, I love everything about them. And what I want is them in round two playing. Who would they play? They would Philly. play Philly. Fi- no, no, no. They play Milwaukee of Miami. Whoever wins that one. Nope. They would play Philly. 
Oh, right, because Philly's the one seed. You're right. So it's game three in New York. They're down 2-0 to Philly. And that place is packed and it's rocking. I'm sorry. There's nothing like that. God damn it. And that is, this is a that great, is great fucking answer. That is the pick. <laughs> that is the pick. That is the oh, pick. that's and a by, great answer. And look, like, uh, you know, I really like Philly. You know, like, I like Embiid. I, I don't like Simmons in particular, but, you know, I, I, li- I really like Embiid. You know, I don't really have an issue with Brooklyn. You know, th- th- you know for me, the teams I, that under no circumstance do I want to win are Milwaukee, the Clippers, and Boston. So if anyone else wins, I don't really care. But Is if that we're going, why you left Kawhi out of your former Raptors yes, conversation. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I think I that mean, we can. All, I think we can all agree the least bandwagonable team right now is the Clippers. We can all agree on that, right? I, I, I thought it would be Brooklyn, but I think the Clippers are right there. By the way, deep cut Atlanta. I can't stand Atlanta. I know, but so the Clippers me, are, are all yeah. Yeah, they're out. To me, the the obvious answer is the New York Knicks. If they make it to round two, it's going to be so awesome. Now they're going to get absolutely destroyed by Philly, but I'm here for it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on the Knicks. All right. So I'll go, and then and we, can, we can call it before the game. Rob, I am surprised and a little disappointed in you. You didn't say Phoenix. I thought Phoenix was right there for you. You know, they got the Chris Paul angle. They haven't won. They, th- this is a tortured fan base. You had them in everything that you were doing at the Your guys from the Kentucky season. there. All the Kentucky things. I thought I for love sure. them. I don't want to put any additional pressure on them. And <laughs> I would like you guys to have a nice, long playoff run. They are about two hours away from finding out that they got the two seed to face the LeBron Lakers. James and yeah. Anthony that's what yeah. I mean so I thought yeah about, I don't I, you're right I didn't even want to go down that path because I don't want to hurt my own feelings so the other team that I thought of was Utah and I literally wrote it in my thing like ew so this yeah, is why here but here no but hold, that's where I'm fans. getting that's where I'm getting they're underappreciated from the national media they're well coached and good defensively they have a toxic Twitter following traditionally underachieved that sounds like Raptors the problem is while every fan base has racists, Utah has more. So there's no way that we're fucking cheering for the Utah Jazz. So there's, there's that piece. And, and look, like, it's really hard to cheer for a team. Like, Rudy Gobert is super good. But he's and, so boring to watch. No, I can't like, watch him. He really should be in the top five, six, seven in MVP. Like, he's unbelievable. But I'm sorry. I, I'm just, you know, back in the day when we first had Rob on, he said that – and this is like, I remember, all right. He said that Milwaukee quote has no sauce and none. I watch Zero. Utah and I think what Quinn does is beautiful. I think Mitchell is a dog. I think Clarkson is electric. So I'm not going to go there with Utah. I just think like, I can't root for a team with Rudy Gobert as its best player to win the title. It just doesn't seem, I don't know. It feels like. Awful. So the re if, if, if everyone was healthy, the real answer is Denver. Toronto Raptors fans would have Agreed. clamored to Denver. It would have been that would have been easy, right? Jokic, they have a, oh, yeah. a good path with Jokic and the Canadian Murray. They have a good team, yep. great jerseys, decent time zone. They would have loved it. That, that would have been perfect for them. This the is one, probably the answer. But the one thing that I will say is, and my answer is actually Milwaukee. No, yes. I'm out. No, I'm out. Hold no, on. Enough. 
Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. They are the worst. They're the worst. Hear me out. Their Twitter is the worst. Hear me out. You don't have to follow their fucking Twitter. Just watch the games and listen to us. Here's, listen to me. This is my point. Just listen. I love them. And I hate Coach Bud. They're garbage. I know. Just hold on. Just get, the real answer is the Knicks. Okay. You already won the game. Just let me do my Milwaukee. Okay. All right. They have the star that Toronto wanted. So they get to cheer for Giannis. Okay. Hold on a second. They went all in to keep him. Raptors fans can appreciate that. They're in an underappreciated market where one of the best players in the NBA, a two-time MVP, decided to stay in that market instead of leaving. That group has spent money upon money upon money. They have, they are diverse in their roster. They're a diverse roster. But the key, the key to why Raptors fans should jump on the Milwaukee bandwagon is when Milwaukee wins, you can always say, well, they didn't have to go through us. That's why you should cheer for Milwaukee. Even yeah, though, but I, even I take more. I would take more joy in watching them shit the bed in six games to Miami again. But I would I love I nothing more. I don't know that. why you hate Milwaukee. They've never beaten you. I don't get it. They played you twice. They lost both times. Why do you hate them? If anything, like go go win your title now when we're not relevant. Because because I remember and I love Giannis. Having, I want Giannis to win. I'm, I'm team Milwaukee, them. even though I'm not going to watch them because they're boring as fuck and I hate everything that they do. But I love Giannis. Do you remember when they were complaining about Drake on the sidelines? Yeah. Love Do you remember it. when they love were it. making rap songs about, yes. you know, how they were going to roll to the finals? Like, love it. This is such a lame, lame team with a lame ass fan base. And honestly, like you fell ass backwards into Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and you, you won one title with him and Oscar. And that was that. That was 50 you fell, years ago. You fell ass back. It took them this long. You fell ass backward into Giannis, and you surround him with a worse version of Norman Powell and Chris Middleton. And all, oh I, 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 that, that, that's Holiday, yeah, I really re- like. relax. So hey, look, like Chris Middleton is, is not a worse version of Norman Powell. Please, just please, just it, it, it on on offense to the same player. Anyway, I would say that Milwaukee's a non-starter. And any any Raptor fan that watches every game and has to deal with that bullshit fan base's nonsense would tell you the same thing. Like I said, by the way, I'd rather Denver, have Middleton. I'd rather have Middleton than Powell for his end of game and his defense, but it's really, really closer than it should be. Okay, relax. The real answer was going to be Denver. I like Phoenix, but to you guys' point, can't go far enough. Utah, racist. The Knicks is a lot of fun. You're just gonna you're gonna enjoy every minute of it. And you're not gonna be heartbroken if, if it loses. It's like the Florida Panthers in, in the NHL right now. I don't want to cheer for Trey really Young good. either. No. No, I know, but this was fun. I liked it. Wait, last quick point. Go. The the same thing about the same problem with Phoenix is the problem you have with the Bucks. It's gonna be a short run. You so you you got them out to Miami. You know how Jimmy gives it up. Yeah, and if you're going to pick someone to, to guard Giannis, you want Bam. Bam or AD. But we're not doing playoff predictions, and the reason that we aren't is because Ian is going on the Shaw's Law podcast tomorrow night to do a playoff preview with Rob. I will not be there because the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing, and that is where I'm going to be. But Ian is going to be there. Make sure that you download the double feature. We had our best downloads ever as a podcast two weeks ago so to all the new listeners all the continued listeners please make sure that you go check out rob on his podcast shaw's law podcast and make sure 
you're following the Playgrounder NBA. Make sure you're following Rob on Twitter. You will find him. We tweet him a lot. Please, please, please make sure that you're supporting our, our guy, Rob. Ian, we got we got a he stay. We got a he go. We got a maybe. We've got some bandwagons. And we'll be talking a lot more about the NBA as it comes through. But this was a lot of fun. NHL, NBA, Kevin Papetti, Rob Shaw. Rob, thank you very much. Looking forward to listening tomorrow. Ian, why don't you sign us off? Go next goal, baby. Go next goal.